It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. It is time for California Wine Country with Dan Berger, brought to you by Bottled Barn. Our guest today is the winemaker at Pasoni Vineyards, Jeff Pasoni. Good to see you. How's everything at the Pisoni family in uh, the Santa Lucia Highlands? <laughs> Thank you for having me. You know, it's really nice. It's a nice spring season with us and looking like a good start to the vintage. Happy to be here. Uh, give us the history of the Pisoni family and the wines. Sure. So we come from a line of, of farming and winemaking um, in Monterey County. Um, and I personally live in Sonoma County now where we make the wines, but... My family and I grew up in Monterey. So we grow vegetables still. My grandparents started doing that in about 1952. And it wasn't until 1982 that my father, who was seen as, as a wild man at the time, and, and perhaps still, for deciding to plant grapes at the time, as very few people were doing it, especially with his focus on quality. And, and it was, you know, all farming, still farming, very much so. It's even dairy before that. So since my dad's initial plantings, we've had a, you know, a passionate focus on continuing to make wine, you know, coastal-influenced wine, high-quality farming and winemaking ever since. Dan? Santa Lucia Highlands is a fabulous region, but it wasn't known to be a fine wine uh, area until I think around 1980. Or thereabouts, and even then, that early year of eighty or eighty-one, it was very, very difficult to get uh, growers to put uh, fine quality fruit up there because it's so tricky. You got so much breeze coming in from the deepest ocean trench off of the American coast is right there at Monterey uh, Bay. It is the deepest ocean trench, and therefore it's the coldest wind coming off the ocean. And it races south from there, and it becomes a nightmare for growers of many different varieties. Talk, uh, talk to us about sure. that. Sure. So to that point, the wind, it's, it's intense. You know, if, like it breaks off shoots in the vineyards. Um, it's, it's really intense. We have almost 20-mile-an-hour winds every day. When I was researching the area, the first thing it mentioned was the wind. Yeah. And so we have, so we have, you know, yeah. that factor. Thank you. As I pour some wine here. <laughs> yes, so you get your so, priorities straight on this show. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so we have the wind, and that also brings, you know, the cold air, as Dan said. And one of the things I like to look at, because it's so much agriculture and farming, you know, where we, we it's a lettuce capital of the world, Salinas Valley, because of that cold air. And we grow so much iceberg lettuce because there are, more days in the summer that are under 70 degrees than any other parts in the country in those summer months. And it's that same cold weather that allows the grapevines, granted, up in the mountains in different soil, but it's that, you know, cold ocean water and those strong breezes. There are spots in Monterey County, uh, in the Arroyo Suico area, that are actually somewhat protected from some of those winds, but then they have other problems, too. The Highlands really is a really special area, and if you ever drive up there, it's spectacularly pretty. It's really gorgeous up there, but it's not easy to get to. You know, you got, you got to know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just don't. You're not going to stumble on it by accident. <laughs> yeah, it's very much farming. You know, farming land, and you go up there. It's not a lot of like identified tasting rooms. It's you know, there's a you know rustic air to it, but it's 
It's a beautiful, you know, sloping hillsides. John Steinbeck wrote about those hillsides in East of Eden, you know, thin, flinty soils and all those things that contribute to, you know, you know, great wine. We usually open the segment with a cellar wine from Dan Berger, but (laughs) Dan uh, neglected to bring one in this week, but you have brought in several selections, and what is the first one that we've been tasting? So we're starting out with a rosé, and this is, so we have three three wine brands. Very, very great rosé, man. So this is a rosé under a wine brand called Lucy, and Lucy is a name that we chose... We have a, our wine called Lucia, so we have Lucy to go with that. And, and in here, we focused on rosé for a long time. And as part of that, you know, you know kind of in you know, that, that fresh ocean breeze, it's a, a lot of this is whole cluster pressed rosé, which means it's been, you know, dedicated, intentionally made rosé all along. You know, we've always enjoyed something nice and crisp to have at the vineyard, and, you know, I want to share that experience. Boy, this is crisp. It's Dan, really, tell me why I like this wine Well, so I think part of the reason that you like it, Steve, is, is it's almost like uh, a sparkling rosé with no bubbles. I mean, it has that real interesting aromatic that yeah. reminds you of sparkling. Yeah. But yet here, without any bubbles, you really have to get through the fact that this is completely dry. This is a whereas a sparkling wine, if it were this dry, would be undrinkable. <laughs> You'd have to put some kind of sugar in it. Here, basically, you don't have to worry about the bubbles, so you don't put any any emphasis on residual sugar. Here, the wine is. Comp- I mean, it, w- what is the sugar in this thing? Got to be basically zero. zero. Yeah, <laughs> and we ferment wow. it. One, one thing we've always done with this, we want it extremely crisp and bright, as you noted, high acid, zero sugar. But we ferment it in neutral barrels so that it still gets some amount of texture mm-hmm. from that. No oak flavor, you know, no sugar, but some a bit of like you know richness from that. I think this is absolutely fantastic to go with food. And very few people will look at this color and say, oh, where's the food? But, boy, once you take a sip, order something <laughs> or, or make something. Harry, you like it as much as I do? I do. I really do. I'm, I'm usually not big on rosés, but crispness, as you <clears throat> indicated, is definitely there. Uh, this is essentially white wine with a it, it, little color. It's a it's a pretty color though. It's yeah. it's a nice it's got a nice color to it as well. A little coppery note. Now yeah. the next one is going to be an interesting. This is really interesting. The second wine that uh, Jeff brought is really really interesting. <laughs> now, have you made this? Needs a rinse. Have you made this blend before? First time. This is First very, wine. very interesting. Okay, tell us all about this one. So this is bottled under Lucy as well. This is a new wine for us. It's a white blend. It's a white Alsatian blend. So that means it's comprised of uh, Pinot Gris and Pinot Blanc uh, under Lucy. And the idea, the inspiration for this, you know, is representing Monterey County history in terms of viticulture. And in the early days of planting, there was a lot of these varieties. There were a lot of these varieties planted there, and there still are, but they don't get a lot of the recognition that you know some of the other you know more famous around here varieties do, like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. So we did this as a kind of a tribute to Monterey history, and um, was an exciting blend in terms of the aromatics, very coastal. And the blend brings some, you know, richer notes from the Pinot Blanc, but it's still very, you know, kind of on that same vein of crisp and fresh, but more texture by way of what the skins bring into this. I think this is a fabulous blend, and the reason is that you can taste both varieties. You've got a little bit of the anise in the aroma from the Pinot Gris, 
and you get a little bit of the stony, steely component from the uh, Pinot Blanc, and you get them both together in the... Now, my impression is that there's two justifications for buying this wine. One is to drink it young, and another one is to wait a year and wait until all those two components really come together, and you'll see a different flavor in about a year from now. Yeah. We also, with this wine brand and these two wines, we donate a dollar of each bottle to a different organization. So the Rosé, we donate a dollar to Breast Cancer Research. And this white blend, which we call Pico Blanco, we donate a dollar to to Ocean Conservancy. Give us some more details on the Pisoni family and the wines. Uh, are these your brothers, cousins, uh, Mark? <laughs> sure. Mark and Gary. Sure. So I'm Jeff, and I'm the winemaker of the family. You know, as, as, um, my, my, I'm Gary's son, Gary being, oh, right. the, That's the, right. Gary being the founder of, of us in the wine business. And so my brother is Mark. He's a farmer of our family. Um, but as we, so that's, you know, the, the immediate, you know, our connection in terms of what we do there. When we step back, I mentioned, you know, our grandparents that started farming. Um, we also had grandparents and great-grandparents that made home wine. <clears throat> but it was my father. And what I always am impressed with and, s- and still am, so I mentioned my father planted grapes in 1982. But his passion for planting grapes started by making wine. So he was collecting wine starting in the 1970s and then he started making wine as a home winemaker. And it was through making wine and seeking out, you know, different vineyards in Monterey and he would go pick the grapes, make the wine. And he just wanted to make wine. He now he jokes that he planted the vineyard because he was drinking his wine collection too fast. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, not he's only a half joking on it. Um, but he was, you know, started to plant vineyards there. So his passion was always making wine. And when he started planting grapes, it was, you know, it was 1982 and people weren't drop, you know, dropping fruit or pulling leaves at the time. But he was like, I'm, a, I'm making wine. And he looked to do these things, went to the hillsides because that's what he knew from the vineyards of Europe that he visited as the great wines being on the hillsides. And he did these practices early. He, he then was looking for water in the hills because it was it's a really dry region. It's cold and dry. He would... Hi, how are you? He would... Um, he was, it took him six dry wells of looking for water before he finally found one that had enough water to irrigate. Otherwise, he's driving a water truck up and down in the hills. I mean, full passion, not stopping at anything. Well, I'm looking at the website, which is a great website, by the way. It says, Jeff... Pisoni winemaker, Mark Pisoni, vineyard manager, and uh, Jeff's father, Gary Pisoni, Maverick. <laughs> yeah, in our area, everyone thought he and was... And he's an old hippie like me. <laughs> <laughs> I just cut my hair, but he didn't. Yeah. He he's no, cool, man. And no one wanted to believe in what he was doing, and everyone thought he was nuts. You're, you're planting grapes in the mountain soils. There's not, they're not going to grow there, Gary. There's no water. Um, what are you going to plant? And why does anyone want? You know, he was not stopping. And yeah, it, it, takes, it, it takes a crazy pioneer <laughs> to go into a region like this. So let me tell you, in in nineteen, I first, the first one I ever tasted from <coughs> Santa Lucia Highlands was in nineteen eighty one, and it was a nineteen seventy nine Pinot Noir. And my I, my first impression was somebody has to be completely nuts to even plant up there. And then I tasted this stuff, and it was fabulous wine. And then I couldn't find another bottle. 
Period. It was gone. Mm-hmm. And and then I, there is a guy in Sonoma County who has four bottles left, and I, I know his name. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's coming after you, dude. <laughs> Uh, wow. Our guest is Jeff Pasoni, winemaker at Pasoni uh, Vineyards in Santa Lucia Highlands. Uh, somebody from the Chronicle had written, and it's, it says on the website, the Pasoni family, masters of the Santa Lucia Highlands appellation. And that's uh, really uh, from your dad, Gary, right? Yep, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. He's, and it's a com- like, like Dan said, it's a combination of really you know knowing the area and really driven passionate and focused on you know what he wanted to do jeff talk about your own path to winemaking how did you get where you are today sure you know it's really neat and i I feel like my path i talk about my path i talk about my brothers too because we both kind of you know followed a similar path in terms of what our exposure was to the wine industry and you know we grew up with it so we grew up on the farm around on the vegetable farm around the lettuce fields and so we had this you know, very intimate, you know, serious connection to the land and farming. And that's always been there, an appreciation for that. And when it came to wine, you know, our dad was making wine in the barn and, and planting grapes at the time. So we saw that, we're exposed to it. And um, would I, I'd always be curious about it and enjoy learning about it. I was always into, like, the science and chemistry, and so I enjoyed that aspect. Did you basically learn all about it uh, in Monterey with the family, or did you go to UC Davis? I went or? to Fresno State. Yes, and okay. so I got the analogy degree there. But but I also like you know learned the the craft of it from Dad and the artistic side, and and loved it, and you know followed up you know strong believer in knowing the science behind it too. But I was always fascinated by it, by how you know it, it connects so many things. It's such a complex you know. Um, something vines, wines that we're working with. Um, and at the same, in parallel to that, my brother was always fascinated and loved being on the farm. And um, my brother would work and wake up with my grandfather when they'd get up at like four in the morning and check, you know, the fields, vegetable fields. So when we were going through school, he was very interested and followed, pursued the farming route, continues doing that. And I pursued the winemaking route. So it's a great balance i feel like this it's like this symbiotic relationship that mark and i have now as we approach our winemaking and vineyard management lots of overlap in exchange of sensory what i'm tasting in the cellar what mark sees in the vineyard um and balance overall so it's really i mean it's been exciting i I love it dan well it's an exciting time for the industry because we now have a couple of decades behind us with Santa Lucia Highlands actually producing some really interesting wines beyond Chardonnay and beyond Pinot Noir, which are the two grape varieties that everybody recognized. We've lost one of the varieties that were up there originally, and that was at the south end of the Appalachian. You had Riesling, and that was fabulous Riesling, but it was a little on the sweet side in the early years, and I'm hoping to see some of the Riesling come back. Do you have any Riesling in the ground? We do not, but I, I'm with you. I think you know it's a beautiful spot for Riesling, and there's so little now. Yeah. I'm waiting for that to regenerate itself yeah. <laughs> all by itself. <laughs> Dan has put his order in. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'll put it on hold. It is California Wine Country, brought to you by Bottle Barn. Uh, our guest today is Jeff Pasoni, the winemaker at Pasoni Vineyards. They are headquartered in Santa Lucia Highlands, Monterey County. His brother Mark 
is vineyard manager, and his dad, Gary Pisoni, is the head maverick. And he looks like a maverick. As I said, he's, he's an old hippie like me, although I did cut my hair. And he didn't. Nope, he did <laughs> no, not. And no he, plans. He won't. No. <laughs> no. Uh, just quickly, uh, well, first let's talk about this Chardonnay, because this is amazing. It's a 2020, and uh, what Dan said before uh, Jeff poured a taste, Dan said, Steve, you're going to love this Chardonnay, and I do. Tell me why I love it so much, Dan. I think the secret to all great Chardonnay is cold climate. And in this case, you've got plenty of cold climate influences. You've got high winds up there on, on the Santa Lucia Highlands. The reason that they call it Highlands is it's altitude. And that, does, that means that it really is at the mercy of Mother Nature. And if, if, if the winds come in on a particular vintage and you're stuck with what you've got there, the, the, the leaves start to shut down and you're not getting any development, the one thing you're going to have is acid. You're going to have plenty, plenty of acid. You can taste the acid in the aftertaste of this wine. Mm-hmm. And that's the secret to this wine. This is really built on acidity. So this, for some people, this will be a 20-year wine. I personally love it at 3 to 5 because I think that the acid level is going to keep it just in, in the brightness level. And this uh, is a really fabulous wine. Two hours in the decanter tonight? Is that going to make, make think, a difference? I think, decan- I think decanting it <clears throat> will make it more approachable right now, yes. Okay. Because the acid is, and, and I would not serve this as cold as it is today, right here in the studio. I would say serve it at roughly room temperature, because yeah. it's, otherwise you're not going to get away from the acid. That's idea. because it's 32 degrees in the studio right now. It's not the <laughs> wine. <laughs> Thank you, Harry. Thank you. Studio. <laughs> and the, the main reason I keep it so cold in here for all these years is to keep the Chardonnay cold. But you know, Dan, I... Uh, I've been, after all these years, 14 years of doing these wine shows and such, and so many years with you, I have really started at home drinking uh, Chardonnays closer to room temperature than out of the, the fridge. You know what I mean? Amen. And, and I think it makes a big difference. I mean, you can really taste more when it's absolutely not too cold. Yeah. That's my, my secret. <laughs> Jeff, you've told us about your path to the wine business. How about your path to Sonoma County? How did you end up here right. from Monterey Salinas? Right. I know, as I've been here like 20 years now. So when we first started making wine, our, you know, my dad always said he was, he was growing grapes, and he wanted to wait until my brother and myself got out of school to, for, we, for us to start our wine brands. When we did that, I was fresh out of Fresno State Enology Program, and when we made our first vintages, the winery we were working with helped us make those first couple of vintages. So me out of school, I was like, okay, I'm going I'm to get out of school. I worked with that winery a couple of years um, and then found a place, rented some space to make our wine at the time. But I was, you know, in my early 20s and I wanted to be around a lot of winemakers. So what, what motivated me to stay here at the time was just the winemaking community. <clears throat> and... And I loved it. You know, we would, I would, you know, blind taste. All of our friends would get together all the time. You know, a lot of tasting, um, a lot of industry discussion, like every day. And on the grape growing side, you know, because there's a lot of vegetable production there, there are a lot of refrigerated trucks. So we would harvest at night, put the grapes on refrigerated trucks, and send them up here. 
But for me, I got to work with, you know, my family's vineyard in Monterey. I love the viticulture and soil and climate there, obviously. And I get, you know, I live up here where they're, it's like, you know, the heart of, you know, California wine country, I've always felt. Well, of course. It's paradise. Although I'm a big <laughs> he, fan of Monterey and have spent a lot of time there. Did you know how he worked in a plug for this show's title in that in that comment there? No, I was <laughs> taking a nap. What? <laughs> What did I miss? He Harry? said California wine country, the oh, yes. heart of California wine country. <laughs> yes. Oh, brought to you by Bottle Barn. You yes. could have worked that in too. <laughs> Darn it! I knew I forgot. You're Come the master, on, Harry. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> Get with it. So it's really, and our, you know, the you know, so many representatives of our of our vendors, our cork suppliers, glass suppliers, they're all you know based around here. So right. When I'm, you know, our, you know, labs we work with, everything's so close to here. It was it was great for that. So these grapes are generally grown in Monterey County. You make the wines here. So they have to truck yeah. the grapes up here, which is kind of counterintuitive. In most cases, people are buying fruit from Sonoma County and trucking it elsewhere. You can't <laughs> just email the grapes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, someday you will be able to do that. Yeah, uh, where do you make the wines? So we, we have a, a facility over in Roner Park. Really? So we, you know, for years we were in other facilities and working in custom crush facilities. We ended up purchasing a building in town, and it was an industrial building that we, you know, sought out because we were able to then customize it to all of our specs inside. Nice. So we built everything out, custom how we want, you know, have all of our, you know, great equipment set up, and it's a nice kind of like off-the-radar place to make wine. I love it. It's PisoniVineyards.com, P-I-S-O-N-I. Uh, Jeff and his uh, brother Mark and his dad Gary Pisoni. And this family uh, operation has been going since, well, what was it, early, uh, when, in the 50s? Your grandfather yeah, as a, was as, farming. As a family farm, yep, yeah. since the 50s. All right, we have one more wine to try. What are we pouring now? This is, looks like a red. <laughs> Heck of an observation. A wild man. guess here. <laughs> so we have our Pisonia State Pinot Noir. Oh, and, and your dad is a big Pinot Noir guy. It says a, here, passionate advocate for Pinot. Yeah, he's a Pinot fanatic. He he was, in his original 1982 planting, he had some Pinot Noir. Um, these are some cuttings he brought over from France. He planted these. And this was in early 80s at a time when, you know, planting Cabernet in Monterey County was very popular. And later, you know, a lot of everyone found is way too cold to plant Cabernet in Monterey County. But his early plantings of Pinot went on to, you know, he went to start selling these grapes to other wineries. And the um, Pinots don't mind the cold. Oh, yeah. They, they like the love cold. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The secret yeah. to a great Pinot Noir in a cold region is to walk the vineyard every single day before harvest and make sure that you, pick, you get the right picking date. Because if you pick it too late, you've lost it. If you pick it too early, you ain't there yet. You've got to really, really be careful. And in San Luis Islands, you've got so much wind that you really got to be there like twice a day to walk those vineyards and make wow. sure what you're picking the, is the correct thing. Wow. And uh, by the way, Pisoni wines are available at our sponsor, Bottle Barn. You guys have uh, a good portion of your wines available there. We do. They carry some of our wines. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I love that store. We all do. Yeah. What are the price points on the wines that we've sampled so far? 
So the Lucy wines are in the 20 to 25 range. The Lucia wines, uh, our Chardonnay today is $50, and the Pisonia State Pinot Noir is uh, just over $100. What that one, you, the, the red you've got, yeah, that's one hundred and five dollars. <laughs> Who do I pay? <laughs> <laughs> so that passion, this, the, this is in demand. So, Dad, what, so, what year is the Pinot? Two thousand eighteen. Damn, that's good. And so, you know, part of that. So, this is where our our highest elevation vineyard, and it's only select blocks from there. So we're extremely selective in what we choose. It's really rugged soil, so it's very low yielding anyways. As you know, as Dan said, combine that with the wind, we don't get a lot of yield out of these. We're a couple tons per acre. So there's a lot of concentration, power, you know, and you get that aromatics because of cool climate, but there's a lot going on. Dan, quickly, we're short on time. Uh, tell me again why I like this Pinot well, so much. I, it's hard to understand the wine because it's so young. It's really intense. It's fabulously dense for a Pinot Noir, but it also has elegance at the same time. But the only way to ever understand that is to wait five or six years before this wine opens up. This wine should not be released now, and I'm sure it is already because of demand. Everybody wants this, but to best enjoy it, wait five years. Oh, that's just. A, I thought he meant I was supposed to wait five years right before now, I. No, you can drink yeah. what's in your glass, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Put right. it back in the bottle, cork it, and lay it down for five years. The drive, the, uh, the drive. We'll be back in five years. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dan said so. Uh, Jeff Pisoni, winemaker at Pisoni Vineyards in Santa Lucia Islands. That's where they grow it in Monterey County. Uh, Jeff makes the wines here. It, again, is uh, PisoniVineyards.com. You must check them out, and you can get a lot of their stuff at Bottle Barn. Jeff, great to see you. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. This is fun. And, Dan, as always, we'll see you next week.